Welcome to another episode of Narrative with Bauer Bosch. You're right. This episode, I'm going it in English. So yeah, last night I went to a really inspiring, a really difficult uh, event called Real Talk, uh, hosted by Peter Einders. And the event was all about uh, about listening. Um, and there were three there were three black speakers on the stage, and they were allowed to share their honest experience of, of being a South African and their experience with racism and uh, and our country's history and it was just it was just so interesting because uh, two of the speakers um, uh, told stories about how they've experienced racism and one of the speakers have never experienced racism in their life and it's just a whole different dynamic but but the point is to the point of the event was to have a diff, what was to have difficult conversations and difficult dialogue because the 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 more difficult conversations we have the the um, the less difficult these things are going to be to talk about, and and I know we as South Africans we don't always have the answers to a, to a, um, to reconciliation. We don't have the answers to a better future necessarily. But if we don't talk to each other about it, we will we will also not find the answers. So um, uh, I hope this conversation is inspiring. It it might be difficult to 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 listen to hear some of the stuff uh, that's been said because it is it confronts you and your beliefs and everything you've been told and everything you've you've uh, you've learned your whole life and that's where unlearning is such an important part as well. But um, uh, listen to it with an open heart. Share it with your friends and family if uh, um, if it uh, uh, if it inspires you. And um, yeah, so the speakers for the event was uh, let me just check here. Mpo Makele, Doc Mabila, and Katleo Mukhase. It was hosted by Juan Erasmus uh, from Beatr Einders. Go check him out on Facebook. They do inspiring work. And um, yeah, I hope this conversation uh, mean uh, as much to you as it meant to me. Here it is, Real Talk, hosted by Beatr Einders. My first word is a very sincere, very sincere, very sincere word of welcome to every single person that's here. I know maybe 30% of the faces I'm seeing. And why I'm saying welcome is that each of us have such a unique journey in terms of race relations and our country that your emotions, your opinions, it's really precious. Sometimes it's fragile, sometimes it's very fragile, but your story is unique and precious. So you're not just the number, the audience and the speakers. So welcome for taking it, the time to be here. I would like to invite you to be here fully present. You can relax. So I just want to explain one sentence about the idea of an organization with Afrikaans name. Our end goal is to eliminate undignified poverty in South Africa. And our end goal is to reach a stage where we can be human together. Due to our history, we cannot jump with our eyes closed up to that spot which we're expecting in heaven. We have to walk through our whiteness, through our Afrikanerness, through whatever baggage we're bringing with us. So Beatr Einders unashamedly say, we have baggage, we're happy to open up that Fenter trailer, unpack, talk, <laughs> but let's not forget where... So Beatr Einders is a door. The door might have Afrikaans name to pull Afrikaans people in, but the room that it leads into is multicultural, 
unified human. And it's very important to understand that that concept of Beater Einders is not a destination, it's a door towards a togetherness, but it's not a shortcut. It's a, it's a real door. There's other Afrikaans organizations with Afrikaans names that is a destination for a subgroup. We shouldn't confuse those two philosophies. I just want to say thank you. I want to just set the tone to say you hear out of free will. You can leave out of free will. But just focus, please, to be present. And when the emotional dashboard lights go on, they are also a gift, whether it's irritation, boredom, apathy, anger, resentment. Those little lights are indicators of what's going on in the engine. And the worst thing is if we don't see any lights, because then the engine's off. So I just want to lastly invite you to have the calmness to look at your emotional dashboard. And if something triggers you, have that deep breath and try and understand deeper. Not yes, but, but on the other hand, Darren, you know that one. So let's just stop and respect what our own emotions are telling us. Because the conversation is yeah, a little bit, but mostly it's yeah. Johan Erasmus. You'll do intros, you'll do everything. Thank you. Thank you, Skolk. Um, hello, guys. Sorry that that went on as long as it did. I, <laughs> I, I know you guys came here to, to listen to black speakers and not, uh, not to, a, to a woke white person. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel your pain. Um, to not make the same mistake, I want to just try and get to them as quick as I can. Um, so, so guys, first of all, welcome. They used to be my friends uh, up until tonight, uh, and uh, the, the verdict is a little bit out in terms of whether we will renew this friendship. But uh, just, you guys don't need to remember is that this is Katleo, this is Doc, and, um, and Mpo. So Katleo, Doc, and Mpo. Uh, Katleo, I, I'm gonna begin with you. Uh, I, know you're a, I know you're a Twana, I know you've got a sexy voice, and I know you wear a dress. But can you maybe tell us a little bit more about, about yourself? Okay, um, <clears throat> it's true, the voice is sexy. <laughs> I make a joke, I make a joke. Um, my name is Katleho, and um, so I want to just clarify this dress, <laughs> as it were, that I'm wearing. Um, I I'm taking everyone on a complete tangent. Um, I'm a big believer in the fact that God still speaks in 2018 and he can issue instructions that don't make sense to the rest of the world, but make sense in the grander scheme of purpose. And so in that light, I am on a journey in the prophetic. I dream dreams, see visions and so forth. And this was a prophetic instruction to say, wear this, that's where you're going. Doesn't make sense, I wear it everywhere. Boardroom, outside boardroom, wherever. I have a TV show coming up, you'll see me wearing it. So. Um, I believe that the Ministry of Reconciliation is something that's very important, um, and uh, that's my wife, uh, Ngateko. Cool. 
Doc, you uh, sort of went the opposite route of a dress um, <laughs> with, with jean shorts, which is just as brave, by the way. Um, but maybe you can just tell us a little bit more about yourself, Doc. Yeah. Okay, uh, good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is Doc, not a G, Ufesi. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm a boy from, uh, I guess, a place, Yapi. I say the place Afrikaans. I, hope, I think everyone speaks Afrikaans here. So I come from Sanin, uh, in a farm. I was born in a farm. I'm a product of uh, farm eviction. Uh, sorry, my voice is not sexy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm a product of uh, farm eviction, um, but I have my own story, which I hopefully we can share today. And um, yeah, my, my dream and my passion, um, too much into integration, as much as I believe uh, we suffered my dad. My dad is going to another, ch what, what's the name of the church, uh, Skunk? Uh, what's the hood? Yeah, so my dad, after that, he still surprised me, he's going to uh, that, that church, yeah. But anyway, my point is, I learned a lot from him, but my passion is, um, as much as Enkhekelk was part of the, our old system, uh, my dream is, it should be the same uh, <clears throat> tool or, um, uh, what do you call it, a body to go back and we become one unit. And that's my passion. Thank you. Mm, thanks, Doc. Doc also, um, he's, he's a very humble guy. Uh, he, he played for Vitz, um, which is a soccer team that ironically translates to white. Uh, <laughs> but thanks, uh, th thanks for, for doing reconciliation in the way you play soccer. Uh, and Mpul. Good evening, everyone. Um, my name is. Well, my name is Mpo Machele uh, Machele, and I'm from the from the Free State. Um, studied at the the University of the Free State. Studied law. Uh, later on, um, I studied um, uh, theology. Uh, while actually seeking a discipline uh, within apologetics, only to find out um, apologetics is not offered, you know, as a discipline in South Africa. Um, uh, I love rugby, I'm passionate about rugby, learned the sport in varsity. Um, my love for rugby has, has been growing ever since. I'm a Stoba supporter, even though I'm from the Free State. I, I, I love the brand of Free State Rugby at junior level. As soon as they get to senior level, it's just, you know, dear Magar. It's just a mess. I don't know where they get it wrong. Um, I have a particular interest in, in politics. Um, um, and um, I try by all means to always get um, engaged engage myself in platforms whereby we, we get to discuss um, you know, thorny, uncomfortable conversations um, within within South Africa. So, um, thank you very much for hosting me. You know, the last time I remember, I had a very serious audience. I think I spoke for about five minutes, and I got ejected. And it wasn't by black people, but it was by, I mean, by not by white people, rather by by um, by black people, youth. You know, very militant leftist. So I hope um, I don't get to you know, um, get myself in a situation whereby 
I eventually get ejected. So yeah, thank because you you've got much. nowhere to go. He's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be it's the last. He's to... gonna be the last one with his dress. Yeah. <laughs> we're the fastest. Time to compromise. Uh, so, so guys, before before we get into it, um, uh, Skulk uh, elaborated a little bit on it. But uh, what I want to say is that we live in a culture where we, we we seem to think that our opinion matters, and this is punted by social media. So if you go on YouTube, it says broadcast yourself. Uh, if you go on Facebook, it's it, before you post, it says what's on your mind. Um, when your when your phone rings in a gathering like this, it's very rude. Uh, and. <laughs> No, relax, relax. Um, the, uh, the, the, the point is that w what you have to say is very important. And unfortunately, we are saying so much that we forget to listen, okay? That's why we, we, we create spaces like this where we say, for, for once, we don't really care what's on your mind. For once, we don't want you to broadcast yourself. Uh, we want you to listen. We want you to take note and to absorb. So you don't have to agree with these guys, but you can at least try and understand where they come from. Um, and that's what we that's what we try to do. So, so, so if we tr go in quite deep, very quickly, um, then that is the that is the framework that I wanted you guys to to just know. It's, it's, it's a learning experience, and we can waste each other's time and and talk a little bit more about rugby and um, sing kumbaya. But I, unfortunately, or fortunately, we need to we need to move to some of the, the heavier stuff. That's why we are here tonight. And uh, maybe I can start with you, Doc. I, I I'm I'm curious to know. From your personal experience, uh, whether you've had uh, any any experience with with racism directly, yeah. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, yeah. Um, so I grew up in a farm in, uh, as I said, in Lesitele. So there was some mild racism. There was a hectic one. So I would like to share. I, I definitely had. Um, um, I encountered it. Uh, I've seen it. So, um, like for example, when a young, I've seen my dad's uh, friend. He um, his finger got cut because he was dating a Portuguese lady, and everyone thought. I mean, okay, no offense, to Portuguese. Sorry, Docs, you say that again. His finger got cut because he was dating a Portuguese lady. Sure. Mr. Phineas Ngobeni. So stuff like that is still stuck in my mind. The trauma which you always stay with you, even at this age. But uh, yeah, but I'm at peace with it. But I have those kind of stuff, and in the farms, where most of us are still bure, aviate most anti plus. Sometimes it's all about hard work. Um, you want to uh, get the product run. If it's oranges, you want to make sure the guys are working and in time. And there's a lot of noise and a lot of abuse. I witnessed that when I was young, and. Um, it affected me so badly, I don't want to do farming. My uh, other siblings are all doing farming, they're into farming, uh, except there's one now is doing IT and Jobek, but he was into farming before. But um, it affected me because I saw those kind of stuff. So in that, when I was young, I witnessed it. The latest one even now, I mean, so just to share a story a bit, um, maybe if you allow me. Go for it. Um, I grew up in a primary school where all my friends were um, Africans, kids, Pierre Nief, Pierre Anne Marie, we grew up together and we used to go fishing together. And everything was cute and was nice. And then I was good at school, I don't know why, but maybe clothes cop, but I was also hardworking. But, uh, and then when I went to high school, so what they do in the farms, they normally had the primary schools. 
So you cannot go to high school. Normally you want to work there, become a secretary or stuff like that. So I used to walk about 40 kilometers to school every day uh, from, until matric. And I still performed well at school. So the for, one of 40, the... 40 kilometers. 40, yes. 40, yeah. So, so one of the... Uh, the farm, farm, farm uh, uh, what do you call it? So you have section. So you have uh, one white boss. So you got people working for him in that section. So in that section, that is the father of PNF and all of them. But, and they started, they started calling me the keyword when I was in my grade eight. And they mistreated me, no more going fishing together, no more coming to a house, hanging out together. So, and I got hurt. So I started going to the township, which was close to my school. And when I was in the township, uh, I was rejected again. Because now I was wearing shorts. I'm used to wear shorts, walking barefoot. In the township, you, look, you don't look cool, you look funny. So, and that's who I am. I just want to explain, maybe give you an idea who I am. So, before I go back to the question of uh, racism. So, I got rejected both sides uh, of, in the township and in the, in the white culture. So, and I, I developed my own culture. So, where I took the good both sides and I became who I am today. And that's, if, today, if you're speaking to me, I'm not, I'm just in the middle, I'm just me. I got rejected both sides, but I took the beauty of it. Hardworking from Africaners, the fight, respect from our culture, all those kind of stuff, and make who I am today. And those are, those are the, some of the stuff when I grew up, uh, just to give a background. So one of the latest one, which is deep going to racism, I was in one of the sites in our work, our work of Skulk. So some of the countryside. Our condolences. Yeah. <laughs> so we ran a project called Youth Zones. So sometimes I go with him, when we're in the restaurant, it's chilled, the slip drift, everyone's drinking, it's fine. But normally I go alone lately because he's also busy with the responsibility wise. So I went to one side and um, I met this other guy, we were chatting, Africa's guy. And when I was sitting there, uh, we were joking, started joking and uh, we, talk, we were speaking. And one lady just, she left the table, she came to us, she said, since I'm not allowed to call you the K word, what must I call you? So this is a true story. And but, through all the experiences, I just told her, I laughed, I, I laughed a lot and loud. So I looked at her, I smiled back, I said, call me a friend. And she walked back. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so Doc, that, I mean, when you, when you talk about your, your experiences as a, as a kid, I think most, most people would acknowledge that there were atrocities that happened. Um, but, but it sounds like something that was typical of an apartheid era. And we would like to think that we've moved on and things are getting better. And I would like to think that there were, or there are significant strides. But uh, Katleo, you, you think that it would be very naive to think that these type of things don't happen. So he shared something from childhood and a little bit later on. Uh, do you have anything to share overt uh, instances of racism? Sure. Um, so I happen to, uh, in some ways, uh, be a member of the ANC. Um, in some ways, not all, not, not all of them. If I switch this thing off, there we go. Um, so we moved into a neighborhood um, with, with my wife called Bracken Downs in Alberton. And on the day I was coming back from uh, an event, an ANC event, and I work in the communications section in the province. And so. I'm wearing my ANC shirt. We just got given the keys uh, to the place. So we're moving in, we're excited. And, you know, the neighbors are there, we can smell the bry meat. And yes, my yellow can bry, word. And we're smelling this meat, and it was just, it, 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 there was a moment, man, that meat smelled good. This is where you give us a compliment before you insult us, right? <laughs> 
So, so we get there and I get to the fence, you know, and in typical fashion, hello. Like these people are looking at me. Hello, nothing. Hey, nothing. And in my own fellow, hey, Dumelang. Because I'm like, maybe hello is not a thing, you know, maybe they speak, <laughs> maybe they speak Sisoto, you know? <laughs> and nothing. And I'm like, hello, Ukhanet. Hey, how are you doing? How are you doing? Um, and needless to say, we have really not spoken to them ever since. Uh, we try sometimes. I try sometimes. Um, I mean, the, the, the incidents just, they, they pile up. They, it's just a, a norm. Uh, you know, it's 2018. Um, I think two years ago we were in, how do you say it again? Feliz. 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 Yeah, Villiers. Um, we were there and our car had an issue and we came to a bar. They had a cheetah's flag. There you go. Uh, they had a cheetah's flag. They had the old South African flag. They had a Transvaal flag. Already I'm like, okay. Yirkomadang. <laughs> and uh, we asked to be served and they kicked us out. They're like, no, look, uh, the bar is closed. You know? Clearly it's not because your door is open. But, uh, you know, then they directed us to a black uh, shabin or tavern. And uh, I think that, you know, on the other hand, we ought to dial it back. You know, let's not go for those overt incidents of racism. Let's look at the more subvert. You know, how are you with your domestic worker? Uh, do you allow them to use the same shower that your aunt, when they're visiting, uses? Uh, they're allowed to cook your food, but they're not allowed to shake your hand. What does that, what does that do, you know? Um, are you able to invite a black person into your house? Have you ever been to your domestic's house? So you pay the fees, you pay their whatever, that's great, but do you recognize their humanity? Is there a dignity question there? You know, I think those are incidents of, of prejudice and of racism that we must call out and we must be able to say, look, I might have a problem. Okay. Mpo, do you have something to add? Well, <clears throat> in my case, it's completely different. I've never encountered racism in my life. The racism... He's a, he's a yellow bone. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, uh, and you remember we had this conversation yeah. that in my 31 years in living, I've never experienced racism. I've equally... And you studied at Kofsis. Yeah, and I studied at Kofsis. I played rugby. He's a ball free. You know. <laughs> and the racism that I know, it's honestly speaking academic. Mm. You know, it's premised on people's experience. And um, yeah... Um, well, don't think of something. Just no, no, keep it no. I'm not thinking of anything. Funny enough, I've I've had situations whereby adversity, I've experienced some of the grace, you know, acts from the supposed, you know, racists. You know, I remember Mr. Fender, who used to be a director of um, administration at U of UFS. Um, I've uh, experienced um, at work, I don't know, was it because, you know, I look like a rugby player, they got comfortable. I mean, I work for a financial institution. My interview was supposed to last, it was supposed to be a panel. It lasted five minutes. Throughout the conversation, it was, we, we were chatting about rugby. 
you know so so honestly speaking i've never but my my politics around that has always been informed by an ideology more than anything else so i'm not even going to lie thanks i'm not even going to lie uh, and what I find so encouraging about that, and from now on we're just going to talk to you, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, is, yes, yes. is that, <laughs> is that, I mean, obviously, I mean, you, you grew up in, in Kruenstadt and uh, you, you expected racism because, uh, because friends are, are the, the victims of overt racism. I mean, I, I can't necessarily... When, when the farmer cuts off the, the, the finger of a worker, you, you can't say, no, you just read something into that, uh, that there's racism. I mean, it's so obvious. And you obviously heard these stories, but it's interesting that uh, a kindness from, from a, a white male who's supposed to be uh, the embodiment of racism, that, that sort of changed the perspective that you got from your friends. And that encourages me that they are, we actually have a lot of power in the ones and twos to change perceptions. Um, so, so, so that's, that's very meaningful. But I also know that, I mean, I've never cut off anybody's finger. I, uh, I, I don't own a, a feed cleared or an all South African flag. Um, but we, we often think that we're off the hook, you know, because I, I, I don't stand when Steve Wolfmayer sings. Then, then I think, okay, I, I guess I'm, I'm okay, I'm woke, or I'm, I get it. But, but I, I'm pretty sure that a lot of people in this room, we, we've got our blind spots. Um, and and, and these have got, this has to do with the more subtle versions of it that we can perhaps work on. So, so maybe you can expand a little bit on some of the blind spots that we might have um, that we don't necessarily realize, but that might come across as patronizing or stupid or insulting or arrogant. Uh, anyone can, can take that. Okay, Katleo, take it. <laughs> no, I, I, I think the, the example of just inviting someone to, to your house, right? Like, it sounds so huge, but I think that's a first step. Um, are you comfortable inviting a black person into your home? Um, let's, let's, let's forget anything else. They are your friend at work, whatever. Hey, I'm having dinner. Can you, you know, come to, to, to my house? Sorry, I'm used to having these things on a, on a stand, you know? Um, yeah, that's fine, that's fine. Thank you so much. <clears throat> and I, I think we have, let me not use the bad example. Let's learn, let's learn black languages. Let's just learn them. Like it's not, I don't want to use bad example. Hey, Saubona Kunjoni. <laughs> let's, let's just learn the black languages and learn them properly so that you can be able to walk up to a Katleho who is able to say Tchaikovsky, Chavon, Rachmaninoff, Giacomo, Puccini, that mm. in the same in way In other that, words, all of the Blue Bulls backline. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but you should also be able to say Ntlantla. You should also be able to say Tik. You, you, you should, because we've got the same tongue. Same tongue. And, and I think that to that, that there, there's something there about the fact that you are able to say, uh, hi, Katleho, how are you? In the same way that I'm able to say Erasmus and not Erasmus. <laughs> you know, I just think that those two elements, just the, the, the ability to be vulnerable enough to invite someone into your space 
um, and not at a superficial, I'm your friend level, we can go out together, but don't come to my house. Mm. Um, and also learning the language. I think, I think that, that last one is really important, that learning the language is really important because if you get that right, that like it ends you like 50 black points immediately. Like it's a, and, 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 and we're consciously aware that we're trying to get rid of the tension in the room by making all these jokes, right? We're speaking about serious things and that's why we're gonna throw in these quips because when you laugh, it's easier for me to just slip in the medicine. Yeah. I think I wanna add, just add on top of that a bit. Uh, for me, I think, with my experience, I mean, I have a lot of white friends, English, Africans. Uh, I think, I mean, uh, it's not that easy to identify it, but I can say just control. We, it's so easy to, be, to do things when we're in control, uh, when we, we know we're in charge. And I think, for me, that's one of the blind spots, and I've seen, most people don't even see it, they're not even aware of it. Um, sometimes I'm, 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 I'm cheeky, I'm not cheeky, funny or tricky. Sometimes if I see you, you just wanna be over controlling. I can ask stupid things, oh, is this a spoon? And I'm like, oh, yeah, dog, this is a spoon, you use it like this. Like, it's funny to do it, but I'm trying to expose to, and at the end, I'm like, do you think I don't know a spoon? I know I'm a surplusy, but a spoon, you know, we start talking. Mm -hmm. But I think we're easy to, um, to be comfortable to do things when you're in control or call someone in your house or a restaurant where you're gonna be comf comfortable. You know you have money, you're gonna pay for that person. So sometimes we need to be in an uncomfortable zone to, in order to reach each other and just control. You know, we, yeah, that's what mm -hmm. I can say. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. And expect if you come from top and then someone's down, just say, no, I got the money, I got a car, I can take you to this place. No, sometimes you're gonna need to take a taxi to that place or even walk or meet halfway. So I think, say, maybe if it's clear that, but I think control is one of the blind spots, it's easy to okay. speak about. So, so, so what you're saying is that uh, the intention is good. Yes. But um, this guy is, uh, what, he wants to pay for everything or he wants to, um, he wants to take charge of the situation Correct. instead of just submitting and saying, no, we, we, we run on a different pace here, other people are in charge, talk a little bit less. Yeah. Um, yeah, just to add on that, because once you're in control, the danger of being in control is that the person who's, who you're controlling will do anything to fit you, to talk your language, to get whatever they want, but that's the, it's not, there's no true friendship or quality or substance in your friendship. So sometimes you need to be vulnerable and let the person be, be in the same level or be on top. And you can learn a lot, you can listen a lot to that. And I think it's, I've seen that a lot around the country and people want to be in charge. And you close your ears from your heart to your real ears because that person maybe have something to offer, but they can't because you're controlling them. Ah, that's interesting. So, so one of the things that you've taught me before, Doc, is that uh, one of our, I'm not sure, problems or whatever you want among the Afrikaners is the fact that we want to fix stuff. So I'll go into the township, but then I need a project. You know, I'll build that or I'll sweep there or I go in there for Mandela Day and I take my pictures and I post it on Facebook and, I, um, and I'm, I'm just that guy. Uh, but what you would tell me is um, instead of just doing that, just go there and sit and chat and listen. Correct. Yeah. Um I think it's easy to fix things. There are many problems around the country, and especially the poor people. But sometimes you just need to sit to someone. It doesn't mean that sometimes you see a problem, actually that's a problem. Sometimes you're sitting around a person, you can even see more, you can even learn from that person, and you grow together. And you always, 
it's easy to, to come and fix something, but at the end, you know, if that person is not part of it, when you're trying to fix that, they're going to destroy it again. Yeah. If they don't vary, they don't have ownership. So that journey of being together and trying to understand each other, to listen to each other, just sit. And sometimes you, you wonder what comes out. And it's always a miracle. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and that is something that, that Skolk alluded to, where he said that it's a, it's a journey. Uh, and, and maybe we look for a quick fix, but, but maybe the journey is to just sit and um, yeah, take the journey with. Mpo, do you have something nice to say about us? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, like, I'm glad that he picked up. I think that sums up for me um, the entire you know, conversation. Language, you know, language is so precious you know, amongst black people, you know. Um, language um, helps you understand the community, the ideas behind the norms and values, you know. It is right at the center of everything. You know, like, if I'm sure if I were to ask a uh, majority of you, you know, how many of you as white uh, individuals, can you speak in African language? apart from English and Afrikaans. Yet you, you have individuals that looks after your household for decades on end, but you can't seem to construct at least a sentence. How, how often, you know? And, and I mean, if, if you don't understand someone else's language, I think the chances of you understanding that person uh, regardless of the educational background, it's, it's, it's very minimal. At best, your relationship will be more academic, mm -hmm. you know, and academia, as much as it helps us to, you know, to, to engage, but it robs us of the relation, you know. Black people's currency, uh, ladies and gentlemen, is premised on relationships, you know. Yes, we have issues with unemployment, poverty, and et cetera, but Believe you me, if you go to a township household whereby there's a mother, um, you'll be surprised of how content they are with the little they have. Aside, you know, from, apart from the politics of the day, just knowing that my mother's here, we have what we have for the night, for the day, or whatever. The relationship of knowing I can go next door and ask without having to think about their budget and et cetera. I can just rock up and, you know, wait up until they dish up. You know, there's, our relationships are not that academic. And I think in our attempts of an, as a nation to try and reconcile, language is, is paramount. And the last point is that I find it, um, I've, I've, I've observed over, over the years that in South Africa, especially since I love rugby, most of the white people within that space, soon as they pick up that you can hear Africans, never mind speaking the language, they can accommodate you. It's easier. I remember one time I was servicing a client, um, a white African man in Whitbank uh, in December, came with a wife, very proud African man, came there, and uh, wanting, um, I, I'm a financial planner by profession, so he wanted uh, you know, um, a review in terms of his uh, risk and life policy, et cetera. So they were written in Afrikaans. So my Africans, speaking Africans, I tend to speak colored Africans, which is 
totally different from, you know, your typical Buhr Africans. So I kind of managed to get the gist of what was the cover and etc. So I said to him, um, he was trying to, you know, you could see the man was very proud. So he, it was very unnatural for him to show a sign of weakness. But I said to him, Menier, I know he's most Africans. He has buy thoughts. But trying to bottle up, you know, your, because of financial pressure, it's not helping you. It's okay to break down. I mean, I'm a stranger. We don't stay in the same community. So it's okay to let go. For the very first time, I saw a, a white African man breaking down. And he said to me, you know, I'm glad that I met you. I'm not a believer, I'm not a committed believer, but I'm glad I met you simply because you understand where I'm coming from. I cannot share my weaknesses within my African community, the sign of weakness. So that's why I said earlier on, I've never experienced racism. Instead, I've seen another side of their humanity and an understanding of their culture and their language, regardless of whether I'm, I'm fluent or articulate in it, it was imitated. At least I have an understanding of their culture. And I could see, and I've seen, you know, I've made inroads even in corporate South Africa because of, I understand the culture. You know, my managers, they'll be conducting a meeting in Africans. You know, sometimes I'll take an offense, say, Roman, this is a new South Africa. In other instances, I'll say, Ahmed, let me just learn, improve my African because I know if I learn the language, I'll progress in my career. So that is the reality of a black man in South Africa in regards to issues of race. So, so you guys know. said a lot about, um, you can just hold that foot thought, um, Katleo. Uh, you guys said a lot about language, but it, it's more than just language. It's also, it also has to do with mannerisms and a bit of arrogance um, as well. And, and also titles. So in Afrikaans, you know, I, I call a lot of you guys Wim and, and Tani. But I don't call your mother Tani or your father Wim or, or the, whatever the, 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 the Sutu or Twana or Sepedi equivalent of that. Uh, I mean, surely that is a very obvious thing where we can start um, to, to, to learn our kids and to try and do it ourselves, the, the titles. Because if I'm not mistaken, you guys are even, you, you, you always use titles, like forever. Mm. So, so, so it's even more of a deal for you guys than for us. Yeah, there are people who learn about their parents' names when their parents pass away. <laughs> because it's always been mama, papa, mama, pa and then you learn of these names on the ID, you're like, ha! And your name is not Mama. <laughs> you, and uh, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm being facetious, but it, 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 it's a reality. They're, so, they're, so, so if I go in there as an eight-year-old white kid and I say, hello, Solomon, hello, Katleo. And I mean, they, they tolerate it, obviously. Yeah. But, but that's the background from where that, that comes from. It, and, and again, it's because we, you know, black people are so pliable. We are so, hey, we forgive, we, we give and give and give and give and get 10% back, but continue, at least we get the tithes. But we continue to just, and it's because we've, we've been made to understand African culture by force. Not by, you know, oh, you've heard CJ Langenhoven as a buyer prachtige. You know, no, you will learn this stem. I know this stem. I can sing the whole thing in Afrikaans, but, the, 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 and, and to add to Paul's point, the, the cultural nuance was forced on us. And so therefore, a lot of Africans people feel at home in black 
spaces because we can adjust. So when uh, you call my mother by name, my mother won't take offense because she's like, well, that's just the way you guys do things, you know? But if you come in and you say to my mother, uh, ma, legai, now you're speaking to her heart. Because at that point, it, it, the, the dynamics has changed because now you're no longer a foreign white visitor, you're her son. And, and when you become a son, there are certain things that she can do that she can't do with a visitor. That she, because whiteness then just becomes a color. It just, oh, this is my white boy. This is my black boy. This is my colored boy. This is my Indian boy. Rainbow Nation boys. <laughs> but they are all sons in the house. And when you come and address and you say, Rose, one, two, three, five. You are just a visitor. But when you say, Ma, one, two, three, four, five. The, the, the dynamic changes because now she can actually peer into your heart and you can receive from her. Yeah, it's that easy. <laughs> Doc, you want something to add? No, just to add on that, I think I want to add about the rainbow where we. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Uh, in terms of, I think it's going back to some other small blind spot which I always mm. uh, share with my white friends that. We need to learn to think of South Africa first and we think white after. Um, and that's for me, it's my summer even for tonight. That once we put South Africa first and white after, and then we're gonna go to a township, eat chicken feet or whatever, or so my, yeah, so Mautuano or whatever. So we can come to your house and eat Bretong. And also vice versa, also us as black people, we don't think as we should put South Africa first and black after. Another obvious thing, and, and f I mean, this, is, this, this helps us to be practical, but um, I mean, the sin that I've made before is to ask for an easier name. So if there's a waiter serving me uh, to, to just, and it's Sibo Siso or, or something difficult like Doc, um, <laughs> I, I ask for, for an easier name. And uh, I mean, that is, uh, you alluded to it before, Katleo, but, mm. but, but that is patronizing. And, and that's something that we can change today. In the highest, it, I mean, my wife's name is Nkateko. My name is Kateho. They don't even mean the same thing. They're close, but they don't. And uh, everyone calls us cat and cat because there are cats in, in our names, right? Um, but if, I mean, it, it, it's a little bit of a thing because even just amongst ourselves, sometimes people pronounce, we mispronounce each other's names, you know, because if, if Mpo says his surname is uh, Makele, Makele. That's right, yeah? Makele, actually, <laughs> right? The Zulu person might pronounce it Makele, Makele. Okay. Because the sound is foreign. It does not exist in them. But they can learn, yeah. right? So, and if you were to walk up to him and say Makele, Makele, as opposed to starting with Mpo, because this is also another point, and I'll go to one of those terms that you don't like, uh, when I, Johan, of decolonizing uh, a little bit. Because our surnames are actually not our surnames. They are our names. White people have surnames. We don't have surnames. And I, I even want to say that white people also don't have surnames because generally it was a name. Um, so, and it sometimes denoted a, 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 an occupation. So if you are a blacksmith and that became your surname, over time, mm -hmm. but to say I am Mohase, and if you address me as Mohase, you are speaking to me. Mm -hmm. 
you are speaking to me at my core. Because Katleho is a given name, but my name is actually Mohase. Because that carries with it every other Mohase that has existed before. Like for instance, a typical example that people use, Shaka, is, his, his name is not Shaka Zulu. His name is Ushaga Kasenzanga Kona. And Senzanga Kona is Usenzanga Kona Ga somebody else. So it, it, in fact, it means Shaka, who is the son of Senzanga Kona. And we see that in the Bible as well. You are Jacob, the son of, the son of, the son of. And so in speaking to me, you are actually denoting my genealogy by calling me by my surname. And those are small again tricks that, that people can learn to be able to say, in fact, when the waiter says to you, my name is Busiso, ask them, what's your surname? And what it means. The meaning might be tough. Because the meaning might be a clan name, and, and then he'll yeah. go into, and then it will be a whole lesson that, you know, you just wanted to order <laughs> carrot cake. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're not really okay. there for the lesson. Noted, noted. Um, have you guys, I've heard it from many of my other black friends that you, we often ask you whether you work in a mall or in a shop. Uh, is that something that's happened to you guys before? That a white person would, would go to up to you. get to Woolworths and they come to you and say, do you, do you work here? So just that, that blouse, I'm just wondering. Funny enough, now, whenever people bump at me, they always think I'm security, part of <laughs> stuff. <laughs> That's always, and it's across all racial groups. <laughs> Never, they've always said, are you, are you security here? And I'll be like, no, come on. <laughs> so, so, and funny enough, just on, on what he was saying, um, I've, I've always insisted throughout my varsity years that my name is not Markel. In Susutu KH is And I'm from, you know, the central part of South Africa. My father is from Lesotho. L-I means D. So at first instance, I'll correct you. But if you insist, it means you are looking for trouble. You know, so, and, and what, what I find it funny is that even amongst black people, you know, Zulus, they're very stubborn. That one we know for a fact. You know, you'll tell them that, look, my name is Makhil. I sugarman. Umakhil. You know, so. <laughs> So, 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 and, and because of that tension itself, you know, we, we, we get to clash. If, if you misspell my surname, you are, you are insulting my identity, you know, and if you insist, you're just looking for trouble. So on, the, on, on that note, yeah, I, I do agree uh, that. And, and another <laughs> funny thing, you know, it gets so, it, it's so uncomfortable for, a person of my age to look at someone who's 50 plus and call them Johan or Perti or, or Skalk. It's, it's so uncomfortable. It is so uncomfortable and, and I don't know, I can't seem to get used to it. My manager is Joska Negi. Sometimes I'm like, Ish, Joska, Joska. Next thing is Bra Joska. But again, we are within, you know, corporate South Africa. You have to observe the rules and the regulation. You can't impose certain views and etc. So, so in my previous company, I had a lady whom was white. And it kind of sat very well with her when I used to call her Osemary. She was white. She was old. And I felt at home that this is an elder. Because the transition, it's not as seamless as people would assume. 
calling a white person by their first name than a black person by first name. You have to be consistent. Sometimes when I, when I call you by your first name and I quickly jump to a black person in a conversation, call him by their, it, it, it's so, it's un, I can feel the unease for me. So titles are very important. What he said, if you were to sit with your helper at home and you call her, you will see, they'll feel appreciated. It's not a worker-employee relationship, but it's more of a person to another person. Race will not be a, a, a matter in that type of relationship by just small gestures. Sure. So, so they no, go for it. No, I just wanted to, because uh, we work in the rural areas around South Africa, so the poorest areas, we have 50, um, 45 sites. So one lady, one English girl, she was uh, talking to me, I'm like, so one of our sites is in Mutare. She's like, no, she's from Mutara. I'm like, oh, no, I work there. She looks at me, she's like, oh, so you're a truck driver. <laughs> and I, was, I said, no. <laughs> so, so guys, there are many people in this room, I'm sure, who would say, why are we still having this conversation? It's, it's 20 odd years after, um, after apartheid. <clears throat> I'm, I'm not gonna say sorry for something I didn't do. Some of you guys look like you were able to do something there, um, age-wise, but, I, I, most of us would say, I, I didn't do anything there, it's in the past, let's just get over it. Uh, I'm, and that's obviously a common, that's a very white thing to say, I guess. Uh, how does that land on, on your ears? And even if it, if it doesn't offend you, maybe you can just speak on behalf of the community, what you hear on the ground. No, in it's incredibly offensive. It's incredibly offensive. I used to have the perspective that it wasn't, and I changed recently. It's incredibly offensive because when your grandfather tells you stories about how he used to hide on top of the roof from the apartheid police with a heavily pregnant grandmother, or when the fact that your mother was a great ballroom dancer but was not able to dance because of apartheid, or your dad was an accountant studying at a university but because of apartheid and protesting against the system could not progress in the way that... It's incredibly offensive. And I, I can't say that we must paint all white people in the same brush. No, no, no. But just go in knowing that we are in a war zone. I'm sorry. We, we are fighting. We are fighting depression. We are fighting all sorts of traumas that we get into, just on a daily basis. Because racism is very traumatic. I'd love to be a poor who has <laughs> never experienced it. But even vicariously, I would recommend, like I'd say that for him it's traumatic to hear this stuff. Because it's purely based on skin. And we haven't even begun to scratch the surface. You know, the civil rights movement in America tells their stories very well. Uh, you see it in the movies, uh, 12 years a slave and so forth and so on. But here in South Africa, we haven't even begun to tell the horror stories. We have not told stories of how police used to rape grandmothers just for the fun of it. We have not told stories of how churches like this were not sanctuaries for black people, but were bastions of apartheid where people were telling each other and reinforcing ideas with manipulation of scripture. People were not told. We, we are not listening to the stories of how you could be a white person in South Africa and drive in the neighborhood and see 50 white houses and never ask. They never wash their laundry. They never clean their homes, but it's spotless. How does that work? You know, we were never at a point in this country where we were able to actually speak the truth. 
And not for this TRC business, but just to speak the truth to each other. To say that racism was a blight, it was a crime against humanity, and we need to recognize it for who it was and what it is, who it was more importantly, because if we take away the white man from racism, then we don't have anything anymore. And, and so for people to say, no, I didn't do anything, I didn't, I get it, but maybe your grandfather did. Maybe your father did. And there are sins of commission and omission. Even if you were the most progressive and liberal and woke family in your street, the fact that you didn't stand up against racism means you did something. Yeah, I think, I just want to add on what you just said. Um, personally, I think um, it's, it's easy to be said like that, especially if you, everything works for you, if you are privileged. Um, but, um, and on one of side of it, we, we need to address it because we can move forward. Let's move forward. And then what, what, what happens? Look at the layer of the, the majority of us, black people. There's a, there's a gap in terms of skills. How do you move forward? I mean, let's look at the, let's talk about the land reform. How do you give a land? I mean, we've got examples everywhere. In my, where my neighbor, where I grew up, there was a tea plantation. Now it's just a bush. So how do we move forward if we don't even transfer skills to each other and say, we, so for me, I'm more saying, uh, we just don't say forget, for, forget about it. Let's do something, let's be part of, of each other. Let's transfer skills to each other, we need each other. And there are land issues, there is, it was wrong, people were taken wrongly, and I, I mean, my grandfather was one of the guys. But my, my point is, we need to start working together and we can't just forget about it. The reality is, whether we say it or not, I mean, I, I went to UCT as a, <clears throat> a farm boy from Tanin. I flew first time in an airplane. I saw confused in a white girl saving me. I didn't know what was happening. Uh, and then I got there, I was in Smart Zone. I saw a computer for first time. I saw a project. I was, I was lost. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know for a knife. So, and I was in the same breath in Smart Zone, if you know UCT. Uh, you got guys from Hilton College, from Gray College. I mean, I, I survived three years, four years of my medical schools. But I, you can't say that boy from, I mean, Andre, I see the friend, Jonathan Adams, they didn't say, don't forget about everything we move forward. But they tried to work with me, teaching me computers, teaching me how to type, to, those, those kind of things. And today, even though I didn't finish, complete my medicine, but I'm somewhere in life, I'm running a project, so there's no way to say forget about it. I think everything is obvious out there. We can't just forget about it. There's uh, things need to be fixed. Mm. Well, maybe I can ask you a specific question, and that is, uh, we, we've got different, uh, we, we do have different cultures. I think we can acknowledge that. And we, we try to merge them, and we try to, to move white people from maybe more of a Western culture to, uh, to be more open, uh, to, to, I don't know, uh, empower us, ourselves as Africans. But the one thing that we do is when I walk with my friend with, um, with, I wanted to say skull, but let's say with a friend, and um, a white friend, and he, he bumps his foot. Then my reaction is, you're stupid. You, I mean, how long have you been walking? And you, you, can't, you can't do that. But what I've noticed is when I, when I walk with, with one of you guys, and I, I bump my foot or whatever, the first reaction is, Ish, I'm sorry. Sorry, bro. Are you okay? Um, and it's, it's as if, we, we approach this thing from a different way. So my thing is, I didn't bump your foot. Why am I going to apologize to you? You're, you're the stupid person who cannot walk. Where um, I think 
maybe, and you guys can help us out with this, is that you, you guys, there's, there's something more communal, less individualistic. So uh, your pain, even if I didn't have something directly to do with that pain, the, the, the correct reaction is solidarity to say, ish, I'm sorry. But that doesn't mean that I was the guy who got your knee in that position to kick your foot against the rock. It just means you've got solidarity with the pain. And, um, I, I, can you guys relate to that or maybe expand on, on that? I think you, you, you spot on. Uh, that's why as a black person, if you walk in a room, the first thing that you do is greet. Mm. You know, we, guys, it's uncomfortable to get into a room and you greet people are quiet. We share Steam's rooms at, at gym. You get there and you greet and people are quiet. You get there, they are white. You don't know, should I greet or should I not? Hey, but I'm a Christian, let me greet. <laughs> and you greet. I remember this one time I... <laughs> because I it says, this, thou shalt greet. Yeah. So, when you... <laughs> I got into the stream room after, after gym. I was in Pretoria. I greeted, the old man didn't greet back. And I was like, oh, flip, what the heck now? This is going to be the most uncomfortable stay in the steam room. Then later, a couple of minutes later, he said something. Then I got confused. I was like, okay, I greeted you and I was loud enough. You did not respond, but you're talking to me. So it was so confusing. It was either he does not acknowledge the significance of greeting and just jumping into a conversation. It's very offensive as a black person, I step up to you and I, you know, jump onto it and start, you know, talking to you. The first thing they have to acknowledge, it's an acknowledgement when you greet, I acknowledge you as a person. Mm. So let's just talk about, like, on a pragmatic level, d d does it even help if I go and I sincerely apologize for, um, for, for, for not necessarily what happened, but I can apologize for that and the ramifications of that now? Does that does that move you in any way? Does it help? Uh... I think it would help the country. <laughs> I think it would help the country. Um, yeah, I think I might get thrown out. So this weekend, uh, that good old farmer of ours, Angus Pachen, is having a It's Time event. And if he had a similar event where all white people came together and they just said, we want to apologize, you have no idea how cathartic that would be for this country. Like, it, I just, I don't, I can't even quantify, it would change the dynamic of this country to no end. It, it, just in that statement, and I'm not saying it's a sort of panacea to everything, but it, just that statement alone, at a national level, because to this day, white people have not apologized. This is, this, is the, this is the warped reality, is that apartheid is the only crime and sin where there's forgiveness before repentance. The only one, like, I can hit Mbou and, oh, well, I won't hit him, I look at that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the only one, it's the only crime and sin where black people are just like, we forgive you, and we just said we forgive you, by the way. It wasn't real, that thing, because we see now in 2018, clearly it wasn't real. But we forgive you, and there was no apology. And white people picked up their bags and moved on. And it was like, this is great. We did atrocities and you guys forgave. You guys are such good Christians. We're going to move on. And black people are still waiting. 
grandmothers have memories. They have inferiority complexes and they're still waiting. And I think at a national level, that would work. On a more person-to-person -person level, I think all of the stuff that we've said are proof of your heart. You know, the learning of the language. The you, if you can't say sorry, then just learn my name. Learn, learn where we come from. Learn how we're doing it. Because the unfortunate part about all of this, and I just throw it in there because, you know, I'm also a little bit of a student of language. Even Afrikaans is an African language. That actually traders found here. They did not invent it. They actually Dutchified it. That's all that happened. The oldest known records of Africans are in mosques in Cape Town that predate Jan van Riebeek. On historicity, just on the language. So, so to fight Africans is actually also a little bit of a misnomer. But let's learn the history. This was not a continent of darkness with absolutely nothing going on before Jan van Riebeek arrived. We were people. We had civilization, we had justice, we had laws, we had spirituality, we had all sorts of things going on. Thank goodness that uh, you brought the Bible along with you. We thank the Lord. But that does not negate the fact that we were civilized. The fact that we eat with our hands is not an uncivilized thing. It's not barbaric. It is not civilized to sit with a fork and now we... What, why are you using utensils? God gave you these things to eat, man. And you enjoy it when you eat ribs with your hands. I mean, I see people who eat chicken with a fork and knife, and I'm just like, that's going to take long, buddy. Me, I'm here with my hands. Like, what? All, all of those things. And Johan, it's, it's important for us to realize that the apology must actually come with actions. It can't, in 2018, be an apology of words. It, I think it must come with actions. And yes, let's get to that very uncomfortable topic of land. It must come with actions. Yeah, I think I agree with him in terms of it must be overall. I mean, small pockets are great, and, but it's also nice to, to do something in the small pockets. But I think the national level, it would be more everyone saying that to come together and say, listen, we've done wrong. Um, we're sorry. But at the same time, it must come proof of action. I mean, from your sharing of resources to your universities to your... Your ESCOM, I mean, the, all the, it's the skills in terms of whatever I worked for, ESCOM, or Transnet, all those things you were talking about from British Bond. But uh, <clears throat> I think that they, what, what we see, I want to talk more, even the, the effect of it. I mean, we see, I don't want to say the leaders are made of apartheid, but they've been traumatized. I mean, we're talking about our guys. I'm a person, I'm an NC also. So we see our leaders today, they, they, they haven't healed. They're still traumatized, and I don't think someone who's traumatized should be leading, personally, unless they're the therapy, or they're able to share their story to someone. And I see these are the, the leaders haven't shared enough of the stories, because they're still traumatized, and they're just causing more, they're still ruling of anger, they're passing to the young ones. That's why we have the young generation now, they're so angry, and twittering everywhere, land back, but they don't even know, they don't understand, but the problem is, so, there was no forgiveness, there was no apologizing, and it's moved to our leaders, to the young ones, and if you don't apologize quickly and do something, it's gonna go more and more. From the young ones, we're gonna give birth to the other ones. We're gonna teach them. Mm. And <clears throat> on that issue, um, I just wanna touch on another issue on, on the issue of language. You know, <laughs> what I find it funny is that, uh, that white people have never saw the need to learn the language. 
because economically, obviously, they've been the most developed. So we're the one that has to assimilate into that so that we can advance. But what is scary about South Africa today is that it's a ticking time bomb. That's a reality. I promise you, most black individuals are just waiting, most of them, not out of, you know, of, out of the hatred for white people that is inspired by superiority complex, but just they are thirsting for, you know, for justice. Justice. Most black people are just waiting for, hey, I'm just waiting for that white person to, you know, to deal with me so that I can deal with him decisively. That is the language that we assume in the township. But in that statement, that statement is fraught with anger because the youth now are hurtful because we feel that our parents have been very apologetic. They are tired because they've seen the worst of reality. But we, on the other hand, have seen, have tasted honey. So we feel that anarchy, it's, you know, it's the only way that we can get our ways. Yes, we know for a fact that, you know, globally, the economy is structured in such a way that it would not necessarily favor a black revolution. It's been designed. That's how we analyze the geopolitics of the world as a black young man. That even though South Africa were to nationalize successfully through dialogue, we know for a fact external forces are going to see to it that there is sabotage. Any initiative by a black person to address some of the socio-economic aspects in society. It might sound as if it's a political rhetoric, but that's how we view it. To a certain extent, we feel, oh, I know, to hell with uh, decorum. We're tired of being undermined. We are tired of always being, you know, made to feel that we are nothing. That's why you hear these issues. This is our land. Although we know, you know, that is not our intention. Our intention is to coexist with you, with you. Our intention is to share the common good because we all believe in a prosperous South Africa. But it starts with you understanding us so that you can you know, uplift us, get us into a situation where we can go back and plow. I may stay in, in a suburb, but I still know, you know I have a kasi which I still have to go back and empower. Pay for that registration, pay for an application fee, uh, call my old contacts because you pass your metric. We still have that obligation to sew back, you know. On the last point, um, while I was in, in hostel, just to show how... Mpo, can I just take you a step back? And I think you're gonna, you're gonna lead to it. So you, you, you just named, mentioned this in passing now, but... Uh, this, this is the whole thing about black tax. So a, a lot of things, a lot of the time, a, a white and a black guy would, would sit together and I won't understand why you are not being, why you aren't able to get out with your money. Mm. We, we, we earn the same thing. Mm. Um, but there's sort of a background that I'm not familiar with. So, so maybe you can just help us to, to, to understand that. Yeah, well, <laughs> hey, black tax, yo, like, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a serious issue. Mm. Typically what happens when you, I mean, <laughs> You know, it's funny, when you're a black person, as soon as you get, they don't care whether you're in an internship or yeah. you're employed. Fact of the matter that you are earning a salary. 
And when you earn a salary, you form part of the senior leadership within the household. That's it. You form part of serious conversation within the household. If there's a problem, they'll tell you, oh, no, go to the bank and get a loan. So that that issue that requires your financial assistance can be resolved. Your relative's child, as soon as they get into metric, like I said, they don't have to, your mother just picks up and say, hey, you know, Mpo, uh, mama, mama, is just finished metric. And you've you never met this accommodate? person. Yeah, you have to accommodate that person. See to it, and it, let me tell you something, you're going to send money for him to come to your place. He's going to stay at your place without having to discuss it with you. So long as your mother said, Mchana, you have to go and look after this kid. That's your obligation. You don't have to know the child. You don't have to know the mother. Just know that your mother sent that boy so that you can know. So that's, that's what we call black tax. It makes, it, it wreaks havoc in terms of our financial affairs. It's a mess. We are in debt because of black tax. We are, when you, as soon as you get employment, you know for a fact, or no, you have to go back home and um, restructure the house, put in bigger windows, put a ceiling. You know, there's that obligation. That is just, it's natural for a black child to always be considerate to that extent. So I want to just move towards a, a bit of a conclusion and then we're gonna take a couple of questions. Um, so, so you guys have been very gracious. By the way, uh, this is, this, this is a very censored version of what's going on on the street and the feeling and the rhetoric. Um, and, and thank you for, for accommodating us in that sense, I guess. But you alluded now to uh, the very real feeling that's on the street that, that sort of went into the uncensored bit. But I know we're going into an election year next year, uh, which means that the polarization is only going to increase. All of these issues are gonna come to the surface. Uh, and, and we need to have some sort of plan, I guess. Uh, and I'm very curious, what do you think that, that white people, if anything, what we have to offer and, and how we can, in a small way, I know you've alluded to a lot of uh, steps and thanks for that, but if you can maybe add to that and just help us navigate this uh, very bumpy road that we're in for, presumably, uh, going into next year and um, what, what, what do we have to offer, if anything? Doc, you wanna go? <laughs> no, uh, I personally think um, not offer, but I, I, I personally think sometimes we need to expect white people in it. The, um, I don't want to say they, I want to say we as South Africans. Um, we need to um, close our ears to the media. The country today is run by media and not the real day-to-day -day actions. Yo, Johan, yo, Skarks, going. I mean, for example, and why I push on that because Everyone, the only chance they can hear about South Africa in the, the uh, normal day life is only through the media. And the media's got its own agenda, is they portray message in a different way. So me, I think the offer for me would be to say, stop feeding your mind during the daily life by what you see on media, because those things on media, those guys, those guys are already full, they're eating, and it's not a true reflection of the normal guy on the ground. We, we work in a, majority of guys who work, it's not all in the poor areas. I mean, Skag has been there. He left his MacBook. I don't know how many times he there. Got him back. He's got so many friends. He's the only white guy, unfortunately. But 
But my point is, that people down there, they are ready to build together. They're, they're frankly, they're not doing harm, but stop, stop. I mean, it's wrong to say stop, like I'm giving a command, but let's just close our ears for, the, for the, this media, and it's sending a wrong message about the country. The reality down there is different if you go there every day, and that can help us to build South Africa together, even be, whether before the election or after the election. Mm. I don't want to ask for an offer, but I just want to say, let's learn to close the ears mm. to the media. The one, the one thing is we take media, the other one, and how we perpetuate it is we share it on social media. So if there's a bad story, ah, um, they just looted this bank, let's share this. Uh, so, so that's, that's also easy to just stop sharing nonsense. Um, mm. So yeah, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't particularly bank on a, a political event to, you know, to start preparing, you know, um, inroads so that we can lead, you know, a reconciliatory um, um, life between black and white. I wouldn't bank on that. Mm. Because I think that is a very dangerous idea. If you are going to bank on politicians, because the reality is what they articulate, what most people think is rhetoric, it's another version of black anger in the language of politi politicians. The fact of the matter is majority of black people in South Africa are poor. People don't want to give them opportunity. History economically doesn't favor them. That is an issue. You move from the Free State, you go to Northwest, you move from Northwest to Limpopo, same story, same social ills. And they exist amongst the black communities. Mm -hmm. Election in, election out. Yes, tell me, the VBS was an issue, um, Steinov was an issue, you know, a lot of issues w which were in the public domain are serious issues. But the fact of the matter is, Majority of black people are poor. There are people with resources. They're sitting on it. Only God knows why we can assume based on our experiences. But the township are a hellhole. You know sometimes I take pride in the fact that I'm from the free state. What we see in Alexander doesn't exist in the free state. I take pride in that. Yeah. You know, there's a better poverty than the other one. So, so Mpo, what you're saying is, uh, if, if you want to do something, dear white person, figure out, help us figure out the poverty thing. Fight the poverty thing with us. Uh, if we sort that out, then a lot of the problems will... If, if you understand where I'm coming from, just understand where I'm coming from. Give me a chance. Don't be ignorant of the fact. I know you worked hard. You took a loan from Standard Bank. But at least you, you, you could take a loan from Standard Bank. It's a financial institution. I couldn't. Mm -hmm. At least you qualified. You could produce income. Income statement to qualify for a statement. To qualify for financial assistance. So what I'm saying is, at least, just show initiative within your space. Be cognizant that you're not the only person. You're not the only race within that space. It means a lot to us. Mm. Then we can open up. Then we can have a conversation in terms of how to lead a positive life that is inclusive, that has that common good within it. I believe South Africa can only be premised. A prosperous South Africa it, it will be premised. Economy are secondary. 
Let's start with relations. Because you need to understand where I'm coming from. You need to understand how I think. You need to understand why sometimes I come late. Not to say that I'm justifying it. It has these ups, goods, and you remember on, on, on um, I was complaining about um, uh, about that event, that it, that conference. Oh. Yeah, I'm Thanks. saying African time, it has its, if the conversation was so sweet that I had hoped it was run by an African person because I know it would have went over time. But since it was run by white people, it had to stop at two o'clock on the dot. So th th there's a couple of things that I think we missing. Sorry about that, Mpul, but yeah. we've run out of time there. <laughs> so, Katleo, uh, do you have something to, to add there? I, I, just in a line, you know, actually, from a lens of being a Christian, um, we're struggling with the flesh here. And we're struggling with ego. We're struggling with selfishness. Uh, because... It happens even in black communities where you walk into a church and just by the cars that are there, you can see that these people could actually afford to take 14 to 20 of these matriculants to school without even breaking a sweat together. But they choose not to. And, and, and we've got to make a conscious choice that we must be for each other. And I think that that if we can be for each other in a very hectic way, because the conversation that's not happening amongst us is the amount of rape in white communities, the amount of gender-based violence in white communities, the amount of poverty in white families, the issues that are so publicly well-known about black people that are not known about white people. And there are some solutions that we could give you that would fix the problem today. But we're just not open to getting to each other and hearing each other. Because, I mean, we look at, just off, off the cuff, we look at white marriage and we're like, you know, white people, the, the divorce man is, is low, man. But there are problems. And white people look at some of our marriages and say, hey, but that thing has lasted so long. Why don't you take each other out and find out what's working in the marriage and what's not? Gentlemen, thank you so much. Let's give them a round of applause. <laughs> I think what, we, what you need to realize is that what, what these guys did tonight um, is sort of social suicide in, in many circles for them to come here and uh, to help white people, you, you guys are now cheese boys or, or safe blacks and whatever. And, and that takes bravery. It takes bravery to, to come into this and to really just, just help us. And for that, we are very, very grateful. And I think uh, the, 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 the one take home for us is to replicate that sort of bravery and be able to take this, uh, mimic what they did and to have these conversations in spaces that does not necessarily want to hear it, even if that means social suicide for you in whatever shape or form. Um, I want to ask Skolk to just close it for us and then, then we can go. Better einders and the good that we do is an embarrassment because it should be normal. It shouldn't be monthly, it shouldn't be weekly, it should be normal, it should be daily. So there's an embarrassment for me to do this. There's another embarrassment. The 17th of November, artificially spill soccer in the township. It's an embarrassment because it should be happening automatically. 
16 december, ons allemaal kan dag, het ons weer iets aan. It's again an embarrassment, because it's artificial, but it should be normal. Gaan in vrede, dankie. Thank <laughs> you.